Hello and welcome back to the RA21 podcast. My name is Aaron and my host, co-host is Ryan. And we're going to talk a little bit about um, information and mainstream media today. Right. Uh, but today, before we start, we'd like to say that uh, we have brought on uh, two very special guests. You know, some of you might know them because we work very closely with them in our previous attempt to do podcasting. And it's none other than Andrew and Nicole from the Ringgit to Dollar podcast. So, hey, how, how are you guys doing, Andrew? Oh, I'm doing good, man. Uh, had a flood recently. Haven't been doing contents as much. Actually, haven't been doing contents at all. <laughs> Let me just clarify that. Uh, but right now, everything's starting to fall back into place. Uh, probably will start recording back this week. So yeah, everything is good from my end. Oh, this. I mean, we our hearts go out to you, like, And every single person who actually was affected by the flood, all of us hope that you are safe, right? And uh, things are working out. Yeah. Yep. So, uh, how about you, Nicole? How are you doing? I'm doing fine. Thanks for having me. Um, new year, uh, but not new me lah. Still same old, same old. Um, with my old value investing and stuff. But yeah, excited to be on the podcast. Thanks for having oh, me. Actually, that's perfect. We need a value investor today. I think uh, that's part <laughs> of a narrative that uh, has been going on. So it's great. So uh, how about you, Ryan? How are you been doing? Yeah, I'm doing all right. Um, just like uh, Nico, new year, new year, but uh, not new me. Still drowning in work. Um, haven't been con- creating content as much as I want to. Um, feeling very guilty about it, especially like uh, <laughs> like Nico, you know, uh, like um, uh, Andrew. He he's putting out content despite the flood. Uh, I really respect that man. Mm-hmm. I see like some some really good articles um put up on his um Instagram channel, uh, Rig It to Dollar Podcast. Uh, go check that out on Instagram if you haven't. But um, yeah, I'm just um trying to like. Uh, survive the death march that I'm uh, about to go into. Yeah, well, hey, great. It's always great to, you know, have the entire gang together, you know, and also good to hear that, you know, everyone is doing well, or at least, like, you know, trying to recover from, um, you know, forces of nature, right? So, <laughs> I guess, um, you know, it's actually quite a good thing that uh, we have every single one of you here today because I, we're really actually going to touch on uh, mainstream media, and information sources today because I think it's a pretty uh, timely timely topic to talk about. Uh, because as you know, in the last month, we've had a lot of uh, huge wave of farts coming down with regards to inflation, you know, interest rates are rising and basically the same narrative pushed on over and over again. So I guess uh, before we actually dive down deep into this topic, right? So maybe, you know, the first question is, uh, you know, when you guys started investing, right? What were your first few information sources? So maybe we can start with uh, Andrew. Well, I actually started investing not so long, uh, quite long, I would say like a few, about a year after Nico started, right? So my first source of investing news was actually Nico. <laughs> so I learned a few things from him. But other than friends, right, uh, the, you really just believe what mainstream media says, right? When you first start off investing, that's the easiest way you can get information anyway. So you go to like CNB- CNBC, Bloomberg and stuff like that and you read. But for Malaysia, you, you don't do that, right? So what you do is go to like the edge markets. Uh, that's a little bit more localized. So you Because I started off in Busa, so I used the, the edge markets. And other than that, I actually started using YouTube a lot as well uh, to understand, to gain the mindset of an investor. Because I came from a background that wasn't really investing my parents doesn't invest right uh they prefer some other ways to get money which is the casino uh, <laughs> i'm i like to debate about that with them but um the other, <laughs> i could say 
yeah, YouTube. I started watching a few channels when I first started. Uh, Mr. Money was one of them. I actually had the privilege to go there and learn a few things with them as well. I uh, was on their show a little bit. And then I, lo- I watched Su Yin. Most of the videos when I watched back then was how to think about money, not really how to invest. You know? That's how I actually first started. So that was the first few information that got me dipping my toes into the investing world. And once you start to have saved up your emergency funds and stuff like that, then you start to wonder like, okay, I have this amount of money. What what can I do with them instead of sitting in your bank? I actually had put all my money into fixed deposit. Now I'm like, oh, shit, this is not really the best way. And uh, thankfully, I just put in for like six months. And then I brought out my six months and I basically put it into the Malaysian stock market and eventually I'm here in the US stock market. There, actually, I'm not there right now. So yeah, I'm in the US stock market. Yeah, so that was my first few information. Nico, what, what about you? Um, For me, I think I got started right after uni and mm-hmm. how I got started was basically my dad passed me a couple of books and it's the classics, you know, you have your intelligent investor, your mm-hmm. securities analysis, uh, common stocks and uncommon profits, you know, so it was quite hard i would say because those are not beginner friendly books at all <laughs> by any yeah. means but um it was definitely an eye opener and then you know once you start reading books and then you start googling terms and you start looking through annual reports and stuff like that right slowly and surely you will learn but it takes quite a lot of effort if you're going to start out that way i think mm. it's not so beginner friendly and yeah. then probably after that i moved on and then um got into some of rich rich dad and poor dad his mm-hmm, books mm-hmm. and those really help you to think about you know different types of investment as well like what especially the asset classes that he breaks down the four sides right um but besides that i think other content i would say i do watch sven carline's videos mm. because i think he actually provides quality content and it's quite an unbiased opinion and he shows his work quite clearly like you can download his excel and he has his discounted cash flow um, calculators and stuff like that, right? So it's nice to see his content because, you know, I think he puts his money where his mouth is. Uh. And for me, that that's quite important. I don't want to be, you know, um, getting information from random strangers on the internet that just say, you know, just do this, bro. Just do this. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, basically, that's how I got started out investing. And then I think it's just a matter of... Um, finding what makes sense to you and then going deeper into that line. Uh. Yeah. That's actually a very good way to uh, go about investing. Um, how about you, Ryan? Yeah, um, quite similar to um, Andrew. I started off in Bursa. So there was a lot of um, DH markets, reading a lot of DH market articles and uh, news. And um, But I started investing like... Uh, we mentioned in the last episode, right? I started off with um, growth stocks. So it was the growth stock back then in 2020. Um, and there was a lot of like FUD going on with um, the gloves. So uh, my introduction were, uh, to FUD was relatively quite early compared to like um, some, uh, some people who, who would like invest more properly because I was kind of like going in for the quick, uh, fast track profit at that point in time. So um, there was like a lot of uh, negative um, news coverage on uh, the growth stocks and whatnot. Um, and yeah, and when I moved on to um, Wall Street, the first stock I bought was Tesla. So again, you know, I was hit with like more FUD, but um, the level of like FUD was completely different. DH market was um, manipulative in my opinion, but um, 
when we got go to like the international stage, we talk about like Bloomberg, we talk about like um CNBS. Oh, sorry, CNBC. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I just like to call them CNBS because they are. It is what it is, right? <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but um, there's a shit ton of like fight and then uh fear, uncertainty, doubt, and then I got into cryptocurrency and cryptocurrency. So again, you know, there was this shit ton of like crypto uh fight on Bitcoin. Not so much on Ethereum, but Bitcoin especially. Uh, I think you would uh, you would know relatively well, Aaron. Um, there's just so much negative coverage, a lot of um, things that that's not true, um, being spread on you know CNBC and Bloomberg. So yeah, um, it, it was kind of like a rough um, introduction to like uh, you know. Um, content in on investing but i kind of like moved on to um social media or youtube especially so i caught on to like some people like chicken genius and uh daily and on investing those guys are pretty solid and then um yeah that's kind of like what i consume most of the time now Mm. and also um special shout out to like um aaron and his articles on instagram those are like one of the best articles. If you have not seen them on Instagram, go catch them on yeah. Aaron Ghost Global on Instagram. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. Yeah, thank go, you. go, go right now. Right now. Right, right now. <laughs> thanks, thanks. Uh, appreciate it. Well, I try to do my best. Um, it's actually I actually enjoy listening to all your stories, right? Because um, um, you know the difference I guess is I started um in twenty. Oh, it, I, I think I bought my first stock before the crash. I bought Disney was my first stock because I enjoyed uh, as a kid. Like, I think I bought it at 16. So, but I didn't really get serious into it until I went to work in 2010, right? So, um, but I, I find it very contrasting and very different because when I ask you guys, right, what was your first um, exposure to content and investing? It's quite interesting to me that actually none of you um, mentioned that... Uh, mainstream media as a source of information and why and for context for the listeners out there i'm talking about uh, cnbs right uh, bloomberg and uh, wall street journal you know and the articles that you read online and i'm actually quite curious as to why you know um, you guys don't actually um, focus on the content that's created by these uh, information sources and i would like to start with nico right because uh, nico i noticed that when you um shared your story right you Mm -hmm. focus mostly on books and you know um, very reasoned and grounded analysis which is very typical of a value investor and you seem to you know um, actually ignore the noise quite well so uh, maybe you can tell us right like um, I guess the question for all three is uh, do you think that mainstream media content does it work okay I think that's an interesting question because like um, so technically speaking it does work because, um, you know, me- mainstream media, what their job is to do is to attract attention, right? And I think they do that pretty well, uh, in the <laughs> sense where they have catching headlines and stuff like that, right? Mm-hmm. But um, it works because, you know, some of them, some of the outlets can actually shift investor confidence in and out of companies. So they have that level of control, influence, influence yeah, yeah, onto the uh, individual investors' um, outlook of the company, right? So these people who are, you know, probably not having the time to be able to go through the company's fundamentals or read their reports or actually, you know, do a deep dig into what is actually going on in the company, they just read headlines, they just read a news article and it changes their perception of the company. 
So that's um, it works in that sense, uh, and it can work both ways. It can either inflate a company's uh, what is this outlook, or it could deflate it as well. So they have that level of control, uh, and for me, my belief is normally it's going to just go out to the highest bidder, uh, <laughs> whoever paid for the article. That's what what's going to come out, and that's how it's going to influence others. But yeah, like you're saying, I don't really pay attention to it much because even like on the uh, uh, on the Ringgit to Dollar podcast, all the time I mention that these people are just like monkeys with a tin can. <laughs> Their job is just to make noise and grab attention. Uh, and, you know, it's not really anything substantial that I should actually spend my time on. But what I do take away from media is I tend to just try and separate facts from opinions. And I think it's quite important in that sense because it brings some facts to light. So maybe it might be 80% opinion, 20% facts, but if you are able to separate it and actually um, find and note the 20% of facts that they're presenting, then I think it will serve you well in the long run. Uh, but my, my advice is just to, you know, not get swayed too much by the opinion of the writer. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's yeah. very good advice because, uh, you know, we understand that uh, most, you know, content creators on the mass media, right? Their KPI is really eyeballs, right? Mm. And then, you know, uh, it's not just, I would say, mainstream media, but sometimes YouTube as well because content creators who consistently are under pressure to churn out um, three videos a week, two videos a week, or a video every day for that matter, what you actually start to realize is that your content actually reflects, um, you know, the the same tone as, as uh, they're talking about the same topics as, uh, you know, all these uh, big uh, media houses. Mm. Right, they talk about the same topic, and it it starts to get to a point, right, where if you don't, the 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 more consistent and the more frequent that you start to upload videos and content, right, the more you trend with the entire media space, because that's very hard to like escape from, la. You eventually run out of things to talk about. So, uh, I think that's very interesting that you actually mentioned that we should separate uh noise from uh fact and fiction, and I agree with that because that's really like how we manage to generate alpha. So how about you, um, Andrew? I'm actually quite curious. Like, um, what what is your view? Like, do you think that uh, mainstream media works? Uh, I think it works in a way. It really depends what you're finding. So when I first started off, right, I was looking for the psychology of money kind of thing, right? And mainstream media, they don't really post that kind of thing. If you go on Yahoo Finance, you don't really find the psychology of money kind of thing. So it never really worked for me in the start, in the beginning of time. So I had to go to YouTube and go and search about how to think about money, how to build your emergency fund, this kind of stuff. Mainstream media don't really do this kind of things. They talk about stocks, they talk about the economy and stuff like that, right? So that was that. But I think whether it works today for me, we have to look, uh, the devil's in the, in the details, uh, Nico always says that, right? Many people like to look in the, the, the headline and then there's like 7% inflation. All right, fuck, we're, we're dead, right? And, but if we go and look into the details, then it might be something different, right? There is some things in the details. I'm not saying that all articles are good. There are a lot of shit articles, of course, because everyone's allowed to write articles, right? It's like you can just write an article and post it up and it depends whether it gets upvoted or not and whether it's famous or not. Either you're a famous art, uh, journalist or whatever you want to call them or copywriter or whatever right so it really depends what you're looking at if it's like when you go to youtube channel right there's a lot of well, i won't say shit weed channels as well there's us there are some channels that are really pump and dumb there are some channels that are just really misleading and stuff like that right 
So it re- you have to choose your channels wisely as well. So when you're on mainstream media, you have to choose what you read wisely as well. It's not just reading everything and believing everything. There is obviously a certain agenda there. And you have to be careful of what the agenda is. And to answer that, do I distrust mainstream media? Uh, I won't say completely, but I would always verify what I hear from them. And there are a few channels that I listen to and I would like to verify them as well. And yeah, basically, you have to do your own research at the end of the day. It sounds fucking lame, but well, it is what it is if you want to be you know, proper. Yeah, I think that's actually very good. You touched on a very key point, which is verification. It's quite um, interesting to me that even after investing for more than a decade, that actually people don't really verify what they read. It's, it's quite it's quite interesting la, just because, you know, one person got a call uh, right in 2008, right? Because he has been calling, you know, uh, the markets to fall for the last 30 years and he finally <laughs> got one right. You know, then everybody all believes that he has uh, cred- credibility when he was just a broken clock, right? Mm-hmm. So I think it's very important that people actually do uh, verify and you touched on a very key point there because not many people actually do do that. Then uh, I guess the next person I would like to ask is Ryan because uh, for those of you who do not know, Ryan has been on a news cleanse and I think that's very interesting for him to maybe share a little bit of story. So Ryan, like why did you do a media cleanse, you know, and also like base and I guess that ties to the question, right? Why do you do it specifically for mainstream media? Oh, um, not all mainstream media is bad to begin with, but um, I would say 99% of them is bad. The, the articles <laughs> they put out is bad. So there's only like a 1% where that's like really important, uh, which you, you shouldn't miss. But um, when it's talked about so much on social media, it, it's kind of hard for you to like uh, miss it. So I kind of like wanted to do this cleanse so that I, I'm able to like clear my mind and think better. Because I was having like this anxiety um, as I didn't have uh, that much cash to actually buy the dip in uh, the, the recent um, kangaroo market, whatever you like to call it, you know. But um, markets have, has been going up and down, has been really volatile. And I was feeling quite helpless when I wasn't able to like buy the dip because I pretty much am already all in. So I thought, you know, it might be good to take a break from the markets. So uh, I did like not just a mass media cleanse, but also like uh, content on YouTube, like just a, a total cleanse in general. And I feel really good after like a month coming out of it. I sound like some guy who just went on a vegan diet and say he's feeling on top of this game, but uh, <laughs> they never shut up about it, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, it, it is what it is. You know, I'm able to think uh, clearly now. Um, I I um didn't really catch the headlines, but one of the few headlines I did catch was like uh, that's uh raising interest rates, but that's about it. Um, you know, Tesla hitting their uh smashing their uh delivery records again. Uh, that was like something, but uh, I didn't catch that, so I missed the ten percent up. Because I didn't even open my app to um, check my portfolio, and uh, it from from like ten percent up, it went like thirteen percent down again. So it was like a net three percent down, three uh, percent move down uh, over the week. So what I felt was like a three percent move down instead of like a roller coaster right up ten percent down thirteen percent. So yeah, you know it it has been good, really good for me. But um, going back to like mainstream media, right? 
to 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 the point where I talked about like not all of them are bad. I actually um am quite selective of like the media houses that I um uh read at least like after the cleanse. I decided like you know CNBS is bullshit, so I'm not gonna read them anymore. You know everything that comes up from this uh media outlet is like Jim Cramer. <laughs> uh, Jim Cramer's advice, you know. Uh, and also again, like Wall Street Journal, that's also a pretty biased media house in my opinion. So I, I, I've decided like moving forward, I don't want to see anything from these two media houses. Bloomberg, on the other hand, is um, I would say, well, there's still fight, of course, but um, it's a little bit more neutral and uh closer to the truth compared to these uh the other two. Uh, even if like when we are talking about like um their reporters publishing um business stories and books right i i will always gravitate towards um the bloomberg writers because they they write like pretty good books like for example um ha- have you read like uh have you guys read this book called um elon musk by ashley vance yes yeah that was like a really good book and then uh there was like another book on instagram uh called uh, no filter by um sarah fryer also, again, that was like a really good book. Uh, I think it it the 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 things that um Sarah reported in the book was quite close to the truth. It the there wasn't like much um additional salt salt or like sugar onto like the story. It was um it was pretty like close to the truth, I would say, and um there was not much bullshit that which is really important. But on the other hand, like um there was this book that was published recently by a Wall Street Journal on none other than Tesla. Uh, the book is called Power Play. That was a really horrible book. Uh, it read like um, the writer's uh, personal diary of how he's feeling about the stock price at that point in time. Every single chapter, he starts with um, the stock price, uh, how much has gone up, how much has gone down, what the hell is Elon, Elon is doing because of that, you know. And it's... Just like bullshit. Like as a Tesla investor, I read it. You know, I I feel insulted. So you know, um, yeah. Just like Bloomberg is like, I think in uh, in terms of like quality, it, it it's just much better than um, CNBS and Wall Street Journal. Mm, I think, I think Ryan, right? One of the biggest takeaways I've learned from your experience is that it's very important. Um for us to know our emotions when it comes to investing in money. Because um, even though many people say, and statistically and factually, right, people say that, you know, the highest return you can get um, in investing is to basically have a one lump sum, right, investment and just not look at it for 30 years. The fact of the matter is when you actually put your money down, you know, and if you see your investment were to get hit by 10, 15, 20, sometimes 30, 35%, right? It is mentally quite challenging for, I think, most people and especially beginners, right, to be able to withstand that um, volatility, right? And I guess a lot of this, right, is stemming from the fact that there's a lot of... Uh, you know, media outlets who are trying to gain attention and eyeballs from you because they will tell you and they will tell you like, oh, you know, drop 10% and then they'll come up with some reason. And it's actually quite interesting because um, I've realized that over the last 11 to 12 years, uh, the headlines never change. You know, they just use a standard template. 
And then it's always like, oh, worst day record since 2016, 2015, 2018, or just insert the year here. Then uh, investors scramble. But I've read it so often to the point right now, I think I can also write their own. I, I, I think I can actually write the headlines for them. Like, <laughs> uh, without even thinking, like, I don't even need to read Bloomberg to know what's the headline today, you know, then, uh, yeah. So it's quite, it's quite a standard template. Like, and, some, and what I realized that over the many years, right, there is, I mean, there's nothing that you really need to focus on apart from um, Nico mentioned, right, separating fact from um, opinion. And I think that's very important. And it's also interesting that, Ryan, you mentioned that out of these three artic- uh, media houses, you choose Bloomberg, because actually that's my primary uh, mainstream media uh, outlet, which I actually read. Um, over the years, I've, you know, I've I've decided not to also read CNB as as well as um, what's the other one, Wall Street Journal. Journal. Yeah, because um, there's a lot of words, um, but not enough. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of words that's designed to confuse. I find right, mm. so it's not very lucid when you read it. Whereas if you read yes. Bloomberg, right, they get to the point. You know, it's very straight to the point, and uh, I don't waste time on it, lah. And then and then from there, I guess I can decide whether or not this is actually like important to to read so i guess bloomberg does a pretty good job in updating but uh, i guess also the crux of the matter in discussing this right is that i would say that we also need to be able to discern right the difference between what is important and what's not and you know as much as we say right that we would like to just buy do our homework buy a stock or buy an investment right and then you know uh you know sit on our ass Right and not do anything. I would say that it's also quite important for us to, um, you know, keep up with information in that investment, right? That is uh, factual. So I would like. So now they have established that you know there's a lot of noise in the mainstream media. What are some of the content sources that you guys actually um, follow on to be able to get sources which are very narrow and relevant? So maybe we can start with Ryan. Yeah. Um. So. Like as you mentioned, right, there was there's so much noise on um social uh the mass media. So the first thing that I sought after was a source of information that was not noisy, uh, which was factual. So um I was pretty lucky. So the first um ever YouTube channel that I stumbled upon on um investing in like uh Wall Street was actually Chicken Genius Singapore, uh Ken. So that guy was like really solid. So yeah, I think um Ken from um Chicken Genie Singapore is like really solid. There was like uh, he he actually basically broke down like what the hell was actually going on in that clusterfuck thunderstorm, and then um dumb it down to like uh layman level and um tell us that it's actually all right uh if there's actually an emergency or not. And uh again like um what um Nico mentioned right uh transparency is like another thing he post his trades and whatnot on his Twitter and then he shares a lot of information with us, which uh, makes him really credible and trustable. But um aside from like um following the stocks and all of it, I just gravitated into like focusing on um the fundamentals instead. So um like I primarily invest in technology. So I follow um channels that talk about um, AI. I follow channels that talk about full self driving. I, you know, in uh, I fo- uh, focus on like channels that talk about like the technicals of um blockchain and uh, cryptocurrencies, and uh, just to like up my game and up my level in terms of like the understanding of the 
underlying technology. So when like whenever there's like a battery day or like a AI day for Tesla, I'm more hyped for that versus um their 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 uh, quarterly reports because um that um the this kind of events are like um their showcase of the uh, technology improvement and from there I'm able to think uh, I'm able to make better decisions because when I look at the tech and I can go like uh, and, I can, and I can go and say uh, I'm gonna take a look at what uh, the other experts are saying you know I have some thoughts on myself but I took uh, I, I uh, normally just go back to like Twitter or to to those people who follow Tesla really closely like say um, daily on investing you know uh, that guy he's got like really good um, so-called experts that work closely with tesla on the show sometimes and that's why you know i tune into his channel just to understand like what um it what's brewing on the tech side of things and yeah and from there i kind of like make my uh assumptions and my decisions on like the growth trajectory of um what this tech could bring say like um their battery pack you know going from like 2170 cells to uh, 4680 cells what's that what, what's that gonna um do for tesla um like maybe the foundry what's gonna what what, what is that going to do for uh palantir that kind of stuff so yeah instead of like focusing on the, the this talk itself you know i i've just learned to like I, I i rotated into like focusing on the tech more on more on the fundamental side of things yeah, I think it's so important, right? Uh, because most people, right, they aim to be familiar, but they don't aim to be experts in the investment, right? They they try to know what's going on um, superficially, but they don't actually dive down um, into the investment thesis itself, which is so important when you want to have conviction in the, in the investment that you're in. And, you know, um, I guess the next person I would like to ask is Nico, because among the four of us here, right, you are a very, you know, narrow, um, you're very narrowed on value investing. And I guess I want to know what's the difference, because as a growth investor, like what Ryan mentioned, we tend to focus a lot on the tech, the execution, the trajectory going forward, um, you know, and that's usually, that attracts a lot of uh, rah-rah, as I would say, from mainstream media because they like to, mm. you know, scream and shout about a lot of things. Whereas for value investing, right, they tend, value stocks tend to attract very little attention. They are usually very quiet. I know this because I started as a value investor, right? Yeah. So, um, I would like to get your side of things. Like, when you do your value investing uh, and you actually, like, sit down and you invest, uh, what are the type of, how do you actually stay up to date on your investment when you sit on it and like how do you actually follow up your investment and actually like do you go deep do you go broad and how do you actually do it right um yeah so again with like the whole value investing thing is it's quite a wide range so i'm looking for cheap stocks in basically any market right and um the content that i need to get is basically content that can sort of more or less guide me into understanding each market a little better every day. So I don't need to be an expert in the market next week or next month, but you know the people that I follow or the people that I listen to have to be able to sort of guide me slowly into these markets so that I can make better decisions for myself in the future. And like for my investing timeline, it's quite long. It's a long-term thing. So I don't really monitor it daily, this activity or, you know, the company's activities. I don't really monitor it daily or 
even quarterly, not so much. But I do research a lot on their annual reports. So the companies that I'm interested in, I tend to actually go through their annual reports every year lah, and just make sure that what they said in the last report, they actually back it up or followed up with it in this following year. And I mean, in terms of content, right? Because the internet is just a big echo chamber, right? That's that's how I see it. Like, um, whatever your belief is, you will find a community on the internet that supports your belief and all of you guys will be just, you know, um, echoing each other, right? If you believe that chickens are naturally blue, there is going to be a community <laughs> on the internet somewhere that they are like, yes, chickens are only blue. <laughs> Everybody Flat else earth. is wrong. Flat earth, yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> so I tend to be mindful on the internet and try to um, watch what I consume in that sense. Because, you know, yeah, like I said earlier, people have their opinions and stuff like that. So I, I tend to rotate more towards content creators that present facts well. They have an open-minded approach to, the, to things. And also when they use reliable sources and share the sources openly. So again, like I was mentioning earlier, Sven Carline, right? He presents facts very well. And he's quite open because he talks about wide range of markets, like from car markets to... Uh, the tech markets and even into metals and stuff like that and at the end also he does show where he gets this information from so when i want to do my fact checking right it's quite easy for me because um either he has left the links for it in the description or it when he shows a screenshot of the report i can just google up the same report and i can then make my own opinion on it so i tend to focus on these types of content creators and i think that um it's helpful in my perspective, the way I try to do things are. Because like you were asking earlier, how do I keep up with things, right? I don't really keep up so much with the things because I think big businesses move slowly. So I see no point in, you know, monitoring them day to day or week to week. Any decision they're going to be making, it's going to take time and it's going to, they have to, you know, approach the boardroom, get everybody's votes in and stuff like that. So maybe on a quarterly um period you should monitor or for me I choose to just leave it entirely to an annual monitoring and that's that's sort of how I approach it uh, in terms of <laughs> getting content online just I try to avoid the echo chamber and I don't think I'm loyal to any one particular content creator but rather perhaps something like what Ryan mentioned also like following experts in their field just so that I get a better understanding of that particular market and how I want to find cheap stocks in those markets. Yeah. I think you touched on a very important uh, point, you know. Uh, the, the, I, I guess that's really like the difference between um, the different facets of investing, right? Because, um, you know, growth investing, you know, has always been, has always taken the, the spotlight like, in like more than 10 years, right? The value investing usually, right? Um, I actually echo your your experience because when I started, that's actually how I operated right um usually i only like check the company every like six months one year and then there was a period right where i was inside value in stocks and i didn't actually check anything for like two to three years mm. <laughs> at all right because value investing is really boring like all you need to yeah. do is just sit with you know just choose a stock that is you know undervalued fairly value you get a roe of maybe like six eight ten percent right then you yeah. really don't really have to do anything so um i actually echo that a lot as well because uh, I, I went through it so i actually uh, understand and I actually noticed that um, value investing because a lot of the information is pretty much known right so there really is very little um, 
you know, change as you mentioned, uh, you know, because mm. a lot of the value stocks, they tend to just operate, uh, they just tend to like, you know, yeah. uh, operate, uh, like, uh, they and know what they're doing. Uh. <laughs> yeah, they know what they're doing and you'll be surprised uh, because I actually did flip the S&P 500 uh, book, right, in the ni- that was, I think, created in the 1990s and I flipped through all the S&P 500 books, right, uh, I think about 40 years ago, uh, 20, 30 years ago and you'll be surprised uh, how many companies, right, actually exist in the S&P 500 today. You know, you'll mm. be able to flip, you, you flip the books in 1990, right? And then you'll see, um, you'll see uh, companies uh, like uh, Apple, right? I think he, they were in the S&P and then their financials are like completely different from today. And yeah. uh, what what surprised me, the the stocks which are in the, most of the stocks which are still here today, right? Are actually banks, which are typical value plays because their PE is very low uh, as mm-hmm. compared to a lot of the growth. Uh, markets la. and basically the person doesn't need to do anything right because it's like their banks I mean how much innovation can they <laughs> get right exactly <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> right yeah. so so I guess that's that's actually very uh, a very good point and that's why I appreciate Nico being here today right because it really shows the difference between um, what type of you know investment uh, style you want to do if you're the person now who is always like want to have a lot of excitement you know you want to have a lot of like uh, you know being up to date you know, then where all the so-called action is, right? Then growth investing is obviously more um, fashionable, la, more kanchong, <laughs> more fashionable. La. And then, and then yeah, no more, you know, and then obviously when you go to that, you know, route, right, then you need to expect, uh, you know, volatility la, because there's no choice. La. I mean, whereas, you know, a Berkshire Hathaway, it dropped 2%, everybody will go apeshit already, right? So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I bought my first stock in Berkshire, I bought my first, uh, second or third stock in Berkshire Hathaway in 2009. Right? I don't actually even bother <laughs> looking at the stock. I don't bother, you know. No it wasn't. Point. Yeah, I, I don't even bother. I don't even read. And then for 11, I think that's the only stock I never look at it for 12 years apart from uh, listening to the shareholders meeting. Right? Because there's nothing that I need to check because I know Warren Buffett is going to like manage my money. <laughs> so it's a huge contrast to like being a growth investor because you need to like, ah, oh, you know, every day you need to check, 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 check. So, uh, yeah, I, I guess I guess it's very important uh uh, from this takeaway, right? That you understand what type of person and investor you want to be, right? Because if you are the type of person, right, who doesn't really want to, like, check the markets very often, right? Then sometimes, you know, you just need to choose the style uh, deliberately because the style does need to match your character, you know? Um, that's why there's always going to be value investor. There's always going to be growth investor, right? So uh, maybe now we ask... Um, uh, we asked Andrew, right? Like for you, because you are also a growth investor, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, how often do you actually keep up with your content consumption? Well, to say that I keep it up, uh, keep up with the content, right? Consumption, but it really depends on my mood. So sometimes I feel like there's a lot going on that I'll keep up with it daily. But if I don't feel like there's a lot going on, then I'm like, all right, whatever. There's really nothing much going on. But right now, I do keep it up, keep keep up with my the the news and all about. Almost every single day, uh, except Saturday, Sundays, because there's nothing really going on. It's not the blockchain, right? It's on on leave on Saturday and Sunday. Um, but other than that, I really just listen to three people. Back then, I used to listen to a lot of people like Stockmo. I listened listen to Stockmo, and then he started talking about Ada, uh, Dogecoin, Shiba Inu, and like fuck this guy. This guy is talking nonsense. I'm not gonna listen to him anymore. He's talking cock. Right? If you you're telling me that. Oh, Shiba Inu is gonna like three X from now. I don't give a fuck, bro. Like it's a shitcoin. Shitcoin will be shitcoin. I don't give a fuck. 
it might react and great for those who have invested i'm happy for you but i'm going to stay away from it so i stopped listening to a lot of content creators like uh what was that guy the guy graham stefan no, i want to say steph curry that's a different guy so <laughs> graham stefan i used to listen to him a lot as well but i've stopped listening to him also um he does know what he's doing but i think he's more of a real estate guy instead of a stock market guy so the p- people that i really listen to is like tom nash i really like tom nash uh the people that i like to listen to right is that they don't give a fuck if they get cancelled tomorrow like chicken genius don't give a fuck if it gets cancelled tomorrow tom nash doesn't give a shit uh meet kevin doesn't give a shit if they get cancelled tomorrow they speak their mind that's very important because if you don't speak your mind then you're just going to repeat everyone else around you and you don't want that right you want the raw authenticity of the channel uh what do they think about the macroeconomics what do they think about a particular company if it's shit it's shit i have to tell it off to you right so that and it it really depends on what kind of contents they put out also it's not every day i would just go sit let's just say if they're talking about lucid i don't give a shit about lucid so i won't click on it so it really depends on what kind of contents they put out but mostly it's these three content creators that i like to sit down and just listen to them speak because i think the way they put their content the way their mind works is really it's really how i would think as well so at the same time you also can hear what are the negativity things that you missed out right so that that's what you that's what i like to do fun fact back then when i was in school uh, in college i like to teach people because people ask me a lot of questions that i never asked myself let's just say hey, we're doing engineering homework coursework right and they ask oh why is there a negative in front and i'm like oh i didn't know then we can go find out or a better way we just don't find out and always put the negative in front that's me and nico's uh, best way but <laughs> 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 so yeah um that's the answer i would say it really depends on the con- contents that they're providing and really um if it's a lot of things going on in the market then i will keep up with it but if it's not the, the reason why i have to keep up with it is also because i want to produce contents out right so that's one of the reasons why i have to keep up with it lah uh, if i don't have to produce contents then maybe i'll do it way lesser so yeah that that's my answer oh that's pretty good like um choosing frequency i think is one of the most important uh, things as an investor right um maybe now we can ask ryan like um you know i know i think you sort of like told us like you you cut down your your exposure to a lot of this content right so maybe could you share like how frequent do you actually like um consume uh content and why the frequency and why has it changed over time before i went on the cleanse um it was on a daily basis sounds, sounds like he was uh, addicted to alcohol or something like that i'm just saying uh, no, no. Yeah, before i went are... on the cleanse <laughs> <laughs> i'm on the reform guys <laughs> but yeah uh before before it, it was kind of like uh addiction to to alcohol i feel there was like a little bit of like uh addiction to um keeping up with the news because uh i feel it mainly uh this um want to actually go and check what's on the news you know that it it, it came from like anxiety uh, i didn't trust my investments enough you know i didn't you know trust elon enough to execute uh, i didn't trust you know alex carp or like um bitcoin to do its thing so i uh i had this uh, underlying anxiety to like check things so that i know it's kind of like on track and when it's not you know i freak out and um i just thought it was like a really bad thing cuz uh it hit me that it was somewhat like a mild form of like addiction 
So to to be doing this on like a daily basis, if I'm not working, then I'm um consuming some content on YouTube. So be it shit or not, you know, I'm just taking everything in mass media or not. Um, and, and, uh, it wrecked my mind. I wasn't able to like think properly, especially like when there's like, um, a huge, um, drop intraday drop, you know, like, especially on like Bitcoin, right? I still remember watching, looking at the chart, uh, when it dropped, like, uh, was it like 30 or 50% back in like last May? So I still yes. remember, like, I was there for, like, 15 minutes watching that candle, uh, red candle, going down, getting longer. Then I'm like, shit, no, fuck. But, but I was, um, yeah, uh, like, just, like, reflecting, right, um, end of last year, I thought it was, like, time to make a change. So, um, the first thing I'm gonna cut off was, like, my attention to, to these kind of, uh, to, like, uh, investing content in general so that I focus less on like um, investing. It's not to say I'm going to stop investing. I will still do my DCAs, just a matter of like um, emotional uh, management so that, uh, uh, you know, like for diets, right? You need like a sustainable diet and a sustainable workout routine to keep on going for the long term. So if like I'm going to last this uh, long-term game called um, investing, especially in like growth stocks, then I would probably need like a more sustainable routine moving forward. Something that, uh, you know, I can stay sane um, working on for the next five to 10 years. And it just made me realize that when I say like I'm a long-term investor, I severely underestimated the, the words long-term because I clearly didn't understand what I was signing up for. Like uh, say Palantir, right? Palantir uh, hasn't been doing so well. A shit ton of people came to ask me what what the hell is going on. Uh, I myself, I'm drowning in like uh, 30% losses. But after the four-week cleanse, I don't feel a thing anymore because um, my perception of long-term changed completely. I wasn't... uh, You can't be like looking at the stock or news daily and claim that you're a long-term investor because that's like very contradictory, you know, um, to me. So one of my few goals in life, few principles in life is to live as, uh, live with as little irony as possible. So, um, yeah, that's why I kind of like chose to go on the cleanse so that I'm able to like create like this, um, routine, uh, towards a better mindset for investing, which I, uh, really like what Nico said, right? He checks, uh, you checks, um, the, the companies that you follow on an annual basis. I think that's brilliant because, uh, I, right now, I, uh, I went from like, um, one week to one month and I'm pushing this to become like a quarterly thing. So eventually probably I'll do, I'll do it on like an annual basis as well for, for the stocks that I hold or, and the crypto that I hold. But I just feel that uh, when I stop like um, going at the news every day, I just freed up like so much um, brain space to think. So I think better for my investments. Like um, like in the long run, I where I can see Tesla be, you know, um, I can I have like more capacity to think about other potential investments. Like um, recently I'm on Airbnb. I'm just like sitting down, thinking about it, reading books about like the business stories of um, Airbnb, how it's created, um, getting to know like Brian Chesky, the CEO, you know, um, 
that's kind of like the content that I that I go for now. You know, I I uh instead of like focusing on the stock, uh itself, you know, I I focus on like the underlying fundamentals, and it just brings me to this um quote by Jeff Bezos, right? I don't want to feel like thirty percent smarter when the stock is up thirty percent. If the stock drops like fifty percent, I'm gonna feel like half as stupid uh, as I am right now. So like, does that even uh make sense? <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, I think you put a very good. Um, I think focusing on the fundamentals is a very good point that you brought up, right? Because um, it's very easy to get caught up with all the noise, uh, especially as we have mentioned. You know, you're inside the growth sector, right? Then it tends to attract a lot of attention. So I guess, like over the years, what I've learned is that it's very important for you to invest. You know, a growth investor, but have the emotional control of a value investor, which is what I think most growth investors lack because they tend to always like feel the compulsion to like keep up with uh, news now, which actually, you know, if you think about it, if you actually do business, right, business don't generally change that much day to day. Um, there are very key pivots points in time, right, where businesses have to make very large sums of investment and key business decisions uh, that drive the direction of the business uh, forward or downwards, uh, right? And I guess, like, you know, uh, I guess I can, uh, like, give you an example, right? When 2007 or eight came, right, when Apple released their iPhone, uh, every single news outlet back then, right, was saying that Companies like Nokia and even Japan, uh, they also came out in an article in Singapore, right, where they say that the iPhone is nothing new, you know, Japanese people will not use it, you know, because it is, they have all the key things, it's terrible, you know, it's shitty. And eventually what happened is that Apple went on and then like have the do- dominated the entire Japanese market right now, right? So, mm. yeah, so I guess it's very important uh, towards the points that you guys have made uh, to actually... S- know that when you read this, right, you need to verify that what they say is very true and that comes from doing the homework and the understanding because they can, the news article, right, can say that, you know, um, like, you know, the, the, can say like the Apple phone is not going to kill, but if you're going to see like the next 10 purchases of all your friends uh, around you, right, they're starting to buy iPhones, you know, I think the iPhone 4, when it came out, that was when it started to get mass attention right because they did the redesign everything was like uh, go 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 right then when you started to see the huge uptick in people who started to buy the iphone uh, then it's no longer a case uh, that nokia is going to succeed because it was very clear back then uh, without reading the news right that um apple was going to dominate you know and then we see that right now with the with the car market right where all the news outlets you know especially the fact they're saying oh you know nobody wants to buy um you know Toyota, Honda, you know, um, everybody wants to, uh, nobody wants to buy Tesla because, you know, they're electric, etc. But that's not the case, you know, when I go now in Singapore, right, I just went to one particular uh, estate in Singapore, the entire car park is filled with Teslas. Yeah. Ooh, nice. And even in Malaysia, and even in Malaysia, right, Nico, uh, that day when I was, we were driving in Cyber, we saw like three Teslas. Wow. Shit. Yeah, in, in yeah. Cyber. Yeah, in Malaysia, it's, Tesla is like 400k, uh, just say. 400k Malaysian for a fucking Tesla. It's fucking expensive. It's more expensive than a BM. And you have like three in cyber. So, wow. Yeah. 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 And and I was sitting down, uh, having my wonton me, right? Thinking about Tesla. And ho- lo and behold, proof of scale. And like, <laughs> you know, I was sitting down for like 20 minutes. I think five Teslas uh, drove past me, you know. Yeah. 
you know and so so like these are the type of like micro um, things right which i think most investors do not pay attention they put way too much credibility and attention on media without actually going down to the ground level right and then looking at things which actually matter because like even for value investors right we also um I guess now, uh, Nico, maybe we I can ask you the question as a value investor, right? Um, you mentioned that um, you don't check the companies often, right? But yeah, what are some of the crucial things uh, that you look out for, which might completely change your investment viewpoint in that company? Right, sure. Um, but then just before I get into it, I would like to just add on to what you were saying about your wonton me shop and the Teslas that pass by. <laughs> um, no, I think it's very, it's a very um key point as well. Like as in, um, if anyone's interested in the Fidelity Fund, you know Peter Lynch is a legend for what he did, right? And he went into this sort of details. He would literally sit outside of the factory and count the number of lorries that enter and leave the premises before he makes a decision to invest in the company or not. So like to go down to this kind of grassroots grassroot levels, right, to just be able to get that extra confidence that he needs to get into it. And then he becomes an investing legend over the years, so I think with 70% or something like that. I can't remember what the exact number is. Uh. But um, yeah, that's uh, another I side. I thought, Nico, you were going to ask him what one me shop. Singapore only got a handful. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> that one after the call, uh, later we can discuss. <laughs> uh, but then, yeah, I mean, what would make me change my mind is basically, again, like what I mentioned earlier, is cross checking between the previous report and the current report whether what they said they were going to do, did they follow up with it or did they change their mind? Or did, and especially if there's a lot of change in board of directors and leadership. Uh, I think that's quite a crucial aspect that I would, you know, then I would have to reevaluate my decision. Because otherwise, right, I think most of the time I spend, I take a very long time to make one investment, right? I do a lot of research. I read a few years worth of annual reports and see if their progression is as per what they predicted for themselves like three years ago, five years ago, right? And if those things line up, it gives me a lot of confidence to be able to invest. And then when I do invest, I kind of just turn off all media outlets and just, you know, just let my money sit within there and then um, hope for the best. <laughs> not not to say hope for the best, but it gives me the confidence that I need to stay within the company. And then later, when they come up with the next annual report, then I measure that's the time when I pull out my ruler and start saying, okay, did they match up to what they were saying before? How is the growth going? And um, what other things have changed from the year before? And one good example I can give you, right, is there's this company in Bursa, Malaysia, and I think Andrew knows that's my favorite stock, right? Um, mm. So they actually um, operate in Malaysia and in Africa. They have a manufacturing facility there as well. And then um, they were growing quite well over the years. And then I read in the previous annual report that they, were, they had plans to expand operations in um, Ivory Coast in Africa. And um, so they were going to have to discuss with the board and get everybody's approval. And then they want to expand their operations. So at this point of time, I was already invested in a company and I knew like, okay, that's actually a good sign, right? If a company is uh, going to be expending more money to um, expand their operations, that means future cash flows are going to be increased. Future revenues and profits are also going to be increased, right? So kind of gave me more confidence in the company. But during that point of time and until now, they, I think, just finished construction, right? 
there has been so much media outlet going like this company is taking on so much debt, this is that, blah 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 blah. And again, it the the media that um puts out these articles, right? They don't actually show the reader that oh they're doing this so that they can expand operations and so that they can generate X amount of future cash flows. They don't do that. <laughs> they just say that oh this company is piling on their debt, they're in so much debt and stuff like that. So it that takes away the confidence of the investor when you read that kind of thing, but you don't actually know that this has been something that has been in the pipeline for years and it's actually something that will expand their market share by a huge amount in years to come. So that's why for me, it's like I just check it once a year and I know if they said they're going to build a facility this year, they started construction, okay, that matches up, right? So just either I can maintain my position or I can exp- even you know invest a bit more into that position. Yeah, but yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah, I think it's very important that um investors actually focus on execution rather than mm. um <coughs> rather than the superficial la, because that's I guess the truth. That's also very uh, similar to growth investors, right? You want to ensure that the company that you're investing in is actually putting in money uh, to invest for future growth. Because uh it's very rare for you to find a company uh, that can just grow simply by increasing the price, la, right? And even if they can do that, then sometimes the market size is quite limited. La. Case in point Coca-Cola. Right. So, um, yeah, like uh, one thing which Nicole mentioned, which I think is pretty useful, is that, you know, content uh, doesn't just come from news outlets. Um, and he took the example from Peter Lynch of going to the grassroots levels, right? And there was one particular book uh, that is only written uh, six pages long, right? And it's what we call the scuttlebutt approach. And that was popularized by Peter Lynch. Mm. Yeah. Right in this uh, book, uh, common sense, uncommon, uh, common sense and uncommon profits. Right, and he it's only six pages long. Right, but that is probably one of the best chapters uh, in the entire book, talking about how many people. Right, and Peter Lynch actually used this to very huge effectiveness, where people work in a particular company. Right, let's say for example, you work in a company Shopee, right, and then you are clearly uh, saying uh, that your market share is increasing in the online space and you you can actually see firsthand right in real time right that the losses per order is going down and then at the same time you see your share price uh, go down by 50% right you have an edge uh, that no single analyst have um to actually consider whether or not you should invest in your own company because if your team right is uh growing by three to four times and then you can see uh departments growing uh, and money is going to come and grow and then you can see very clearly right that you know for example the company is going to dominate the next five to ten years right then maybe you should consider um investing in that company in the company that you work in you know and peter lynch was very famous for saying a lot of people uh, they throw away their alpha in their own work that they're in you know because it's very clear that they have an edge but they don't use it mm. right so and it's so much better than what analysts uh, can actually analyze because analysts we only can look at numbers right we cannot actually like go down to the execution part of things and don't have the insight of like uh, in that particular industry la. and it takes a while for you to cultivate um, that that real time uh, insight right so uh, I think, and that's why I say that's a very important point that uh, Nico you have mentioned. Um, now I would like to shift our focus to um, Andrew because Andrew, um, I would like to ask you right because um, I mean it was very tough for you uh, to go through that process of you know the flood you know that mm. that you had right yeah. and then like for you right during that particular period right, um, were you still actually actively consuming uh content? Because you are a growth investor, right? And it's quite 
you know, and usually growth investors, right, uh, we tend to keep up quite often, right? And then during yeah. the time uh, that you had the downtime, right, how did, did like, your investments, uh, did it actually affect, like, before and coming out of this um, unfortunate uh, incident, right? How has that changed your perspective in terms of, uh, you know, content consumption? Mm, not really much. Like. I mean, like, the flood can destroy the things, but it doesn't change me as a person. Uh, overall, I'm still a very emotional person. Uh, but yeah. f- funny enough, right? I'm very emotional. Nico knows, like, I'm very emotional. Uh, I, I can cry on the football field if I not uh, if I've let go one goal. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, yeah, I'm a very emotional person. I can scream for no fucking reason. Uh, I can also yell at my friends for playing futsal. I, <laughs> yeah, so it's very, very, I'm very emotional. Uh, but uh, one more thing is that it's weird when it be- when it's um in investing because i don't give a shit about my emotions in investing i i, I almost have no emotions in investing like when the stock dropped right like let's say like ryan said parity dropped 30% right uh, my entry price was like what 23 22 so it's we're almost the same boat like the fucking titanic right it, it's a sinking ship but i know it will sail once again like uh, because i have high conviction in it so i don't feel down or anything I, it doesn't affect me emotionally even though like when the flood happened and stuff right i was very emotional i was obviously quarreling with my family and stuff like that because uh the water level was rising and no one wanted to evacuate right and i was like i want to evacuate because the gas talk and people are getting you know the electricity is dying off and stuff like that so in life i'm very emotional but when it comes to stocks i don't know why i just don't feel the emotions it, it's very weird like I can see, like, uh, all the fads that are being thrown down, like Alibaba, right? Like, the delisting stuff, right? I'm like, okay, cool. Uh, I don't give a shit. I don't know why. It, maybe it's because that I'm okay losing the money that I invested in. Although, I, the money that I have in my bank is, like, uh, barely can last me three months of emergency funds. And most of my money, about 80%, is in investing in stocks, right? But still, I just don't feel the emotions. I've, maybe I need a therapist. I don't know. <laughs> but uh yeah, that that's about it. And to consume the media, yeah, I was consuming it, but I I really didn't change much of my views. Uh do I need the money more today than before the flood? Yeah, probably because I need to buy a house for my family and stuff like that and to move out from this place because it's been happening so often, right? But generally if I set a plan for let's just say if I my plan to hold Tesla is for at least until 2030 or uh, when they have fully developed um, the FSD and everyone can use uh, the full self-driving. And even then, I'll still hold it. So it was a long time, lifetime commitment to them. And I never ever thought of selling my Tesla shares, even though when i in need of dire money, I will always think like, there are other ways of making money. So let's just use the alternative instead. Until I am fucking dry in my bank account, then only I'll think of it. So it doesn't matter where the price takes me. Up, down, left, right, doesn't give a shit. Uh, I don't give a shit. Yeah. Mm, I think, well, we've definitely discussed a lot today. Um, and thanks so much for all of your inputs. Uh, like before I close the session, right, I would just like to summarize for our leaders, uh, listeners who have been uh, listening so far. Uh, I, I, I note down some of the key points la, uh, to summarize mm. the entire session. I think, um, you know, 
everyone has different types of investments that they like and love. And I think that media tends to affect a lot of emotions, um, specifically if you're in investments which have draw a lot of attention, right? So it really, when, when it comes down to it, right, when I listen to the three viewpoints that you guys have, it really comes down and boils down to how much conviction you have and homework you have done into the, into the investment idea to remove that emotion from noise, right? So I think emotional management was a key topic that we talked about. Like don't let, uh, I say be very mindful of your emotions when you are, you know, looking at the stock price, looking at the news article and try to separate that away from the fundamentals. And then also, I think it's, uh, Nico has also given a very useful input is that you also need to choose a style that suits your, your character. Yeah. yeah, because like, um. It, like even though uh, value investing right has not been performing right it doesn't mean that you know it's not a viable uh, vehicle because um sometimes even if growth investing does better than value investing right not many people can actually execute growth investing to perfection because many people from my experience right tend to FOMO sell FOMO buy then it's actually not that easy to stick to your guns in growth investing like, because it's quite volatile Right, and that also ties to emotional management. So I think it's very important that you are very mindful what type of person you are and stick to a style that you are confident and enough to see the long term. Because you know, businesses investments, uh, you don't ten x your money in three months. That's that's not how it works. Uh. that's a casino, right? Uh, it just takes, <laughs> yeah, you know, like uh, there's you know, there's all this like you know, and the casino changes over time, la. Like you know, when I started, the casino was uh, what was the casino back then? The, uh? the manual pool one, lah. Yeah, pull uh, manually. Now it's all electronic, and they just fucking take your money all the time. Yeah, so it's the like you know, Nico knows yeah, you... Oh. <laughs> yeah, you know all these like ideas of ten x, twenty x, thirty x in three months. Like, it's not new. Like, I've seen it come and go so many times. I think back then, uh, it was about um, it was everybody was saying you know a Fang or bubble they're gonna pop, and now they're the largest uh you know companies in America right now, right? Yeah. And then uh, a beef in OA it was houses lah, you know. Uh, mm. that that was a casino back then lah. Everybody flip flip flip, then all don't want to work, <laughs> right? So uh, it's it's nothing new, you know. The people love gambling, and that's how it is. And today now we have NFTs, right? And then uh, before yeah. NFTs we had DeFi, and before DeFi we had GMs uh, uh GME or AMC. Right, so yeah. like the more connected we are, right, I can tell you the gambling platforms are just going to skyrocket, la. So I won't be surprised that this year we have a DAO DAOs coming into the the gambling space, la. So I think it's very important, now that you learn how to differentiate between a casino and an investment because these are two completely different, um, uh, fields that you need to take into account for, la. Right, so. Uh, and also one more point that I, I like to take away is also you need to be very mindful about what type of age that you have, right? Uh, because if you have a uh, special insight, be it in your job, in your work, you know, then I always like the mantra that was uh, advice given to me, right? That you will never go wrong uh, buying what you know. Mm. Because it is very, like, I've known many people, right, who made money in property, made money in uh, equity, in very narrow selection of assets, right, because they know what they're buying. So I think that's one of the very most important things when you're doing an investment, uh, right? It's not just about equity or stocks or, like, value or growth. It's very important that you know what you're buying. And that comes with a lot of uh, insight in that particular area. And you don't need to be very broad 
to make a lot of money in investing. You can be very narrow. You can choose a particular niche uh, that you have, right? You have insight, right? And that grows and changes and, and uh, morphs over time. And you can make a lot of money in that. And that comes down to your circle of competence, which is what Warren Buffett is very famous for. La. That's why he doesn't touch tech stocks, right? He mes- I mean, his uh, company is worth close to half half a trillion, right? So it's, it's, that, that's how he plays his game, la, you know, his age. And also, one last thing is also your timeline. I think this is one thing, right, that many new investors uh, don't actually uh, focus on, and that is their timeline. They always expect things to happen three, four, five, six months, uh, um, you know, away, and they're very impatient to get their returns. And usually, this is usually uh, a sign uh, that they're not paying enough attention to actually their own personal finance, from my experience, because I'm inside personal finance, right? And if most people are focusing their attention on uh, growing their net worth, right, then usually uh, somewhere in their life is lacking. And this timeline usually can be stretched uh, if you actually focus on yourself. Because no matter what the market do does, right, especially for very young people, it's very important uh, that you don't neglect your own income and your own career. Because, um, you know, apart from investing, you also need to invest in yourself. Right. Yeah. Apart from investing in all these securities, property, all this, uh, the investment that you can never go wrong and will give you your highest return on capital is yourself. Mm. And no one right. can and take that, away from that. No one can take yeah, it precisely, away from that. Yeah, precisely. Even if the inflation rate goes by 10, 20, 30%, now, who really cares? Because your human capital and your human time, if you invest in it, it is the most inflationary proof asset uh, that you have. Right, and yeah. there's a saying like everybody is a time billionaire. So how you use your time is very important. And if a lot of the time that is spent now on a lot of noise that doesn't really matter, maybe you know my suggestion is you know look at some things that you can improve on, right? And I think that and Ryan you know has done that very effectively. I think over the last two months, right? So um, I would like to close the session, right? Because I think it's more than an hour. So maybe I'd like to ask like um you know all three of you. Maybe we can start with Andrew, right? Like. Um, what, where would you advise people, right, to look for good content uh, with regards to investing? For me, personally, right, good contents are everywhere. The internet is so wide, you can go anywhere and look for good content, but it's how you pick the content that suits you, right? Like Nico said, uh, he's a value investor, Ryan's a growth investor, right? And you have to look for content that suits you and your investment style. Right, you you don't want to look for something that's like a GME page, right? You go to Wall Street bets. That's not where you want to be looking at stuff, right? Because you are not in the casino game. If you're in the casino game, then yeah, you should go there, right? Because they are they know when to pump and dump. They are the best. <laughs> but uh, if you it really depends on what you are looking for. Good contents are everywhere, but you just need to know how to filter them. Even on Wall Street Journal or whatever, right? There are one or two good articles. It's hard to find, but you can still go there to look for. Or if you just want really good content, you can go to Ringgit the Dollar lah, right, Nico? Let's go! <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. uh, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. But yeah, you, you can go to anywhere. The internet's so wide, right? But pick a few uh, people that you like to listen to. And very important is where they put the, where the, mount, the, the money, where the mouth is, that that's one. And the other one for me personally is that they don't give a fuck if they get cancelled tomorrow. Because that's when they can really speak their mind. If they are worried that they're gonna get cancelled, it's gonna be tough, lah. You know, it's gonna be tough. Yeah, I think that's very. That's one actually a uh, very good key point that you that you mentioned. Uh, that the more a person is very honest and upfront, uh, the more credibility he gets. Mm-hmm. I think that's why a lot of us uh, we do enjoy content from Chicken Genius, lah, because he's very frank about his um 
uh, frank about his his uh, investments. Mm. So and, him is, can... and he is himself also la, right? Like he says like it's all his sexual jokes and stuff like that. He is very authentic in that way la. So I enjoy that because I'm I'm a clown. So yeah. Yeah, like uh, I definitely respect um, Ken a lot uh, because he puts himself out there. He puts his money where his mouth is. And most importantly, he is very transparent with his traits, which I don't really see many people doing that. In fact, I don't see anyone doing that, right? Uh, which is a very stark contrast to Bloomberg when they say markets are crashing. But then when you take a look at uh, the... When you 13F. take a look at the <laughs> the 13F, right? I, yeah. I don't actually see where they put their money where their mouth is. La. So uh, that's, that's where you know that, you know, if their income is coming from making noise, then maybe... Maybe you shouldn't be listening to them, right? Yeah. So uh, now maybe I'd like to ask uh, Ryan, like, uh, where would you advise people to go uh, if they're looking for invest- good investment content? The most important quality I feel for all content creators is um, honesty and um, transparency. So as you mentioned, you know, that's why we all um, respect uh, Ken from um, Chicken in Singapore because he's so transparent about his trades. He is very transparent and uh, very honest on um, where he gets his uh, information from. <clears throat> so, yeah, there's a lot of content out there, um, like what uh, Andrew has said. Um, but <clears throat> find what works for you. Uh, you got to understand yourself first. Um, know what you're um, dealing with in terms of emotionally, in terms of like your emotions and all. So understand yourself as a person and then find the content that um, works for you find the investing style that works for you and then you go for the kind of content that you know uh, is able to like play around um your uh investing style and um emotion management because um investing is for the long run unless you're a trader then i've got nothing else to say but um (laughs) you uh like if you're gonna last um this long-term game then you pro- you probably have to find something that's sustainable, something that you know you won't um feel like shit looking at um every other day, and um yeah, so uh it's just about patience, it's about huddle, and um it's about how long you can last emotionally and psychologically. Yeah, I think that's very good advice. Um, how about you, Nico? Like um, you know, um, I I like to ask you because um. As, as you know, you're very different from us in terms of uh, value investing, right? Like, um, you know, if a brand new investor come to you today and ask you, like, um, where can I go to, right, to look for good investment content, where would you point them? <laughs> Here comes the unpopular opinion. <laughs> um, so <laughs> I would point them to reports, research papers, and books. Because, I mean, this might be like... A it's unpopular because you know it's not the kind of content that people want to consume on a daily basis i think it's easier to just hop on to youtube and you know find someone who's speaking up on this stuff but i would still say that books will give you the best content and um yeah you should be able to judge from there because at the end of the day you know my my personal belief right how i approach um consuming content right is that i don't want to limit myself to the um, comprehension of the presenter. So, for example, if there is a book, right, either I can read the book or I can watch some guy's 15-minute uh, <laughs> summary of the book. But if I listen to the 15-minute summary of the book, right, I'm only going to be exposed to what that guy caught on to. So I'm limiting myself to that guy's comprehension. So I would always say that, you know, go read actual books 
and make your own summary, your own judgments. And we always do reread books at different points in your life, right? Because you're a more experienced individual, you've grown over the years, right? When you read the book for the second time, you'll pick up things that your younger self didn't pick up on. And then you can improve yourself from there on. But otherwise, <laughs> otherwise, I would still say you can go and search on YouTube for content creators. But it's very important that the content creators you are subscribing to, that you're following, that they are honest, open and accountable. The biggest headache I have with content creators is accountability. Because being on the internet, you have no accountability. There's no repercussions. You can say whatever you want. And like just now earlier, I think someone mentioned Jim Cramer, right? That guy just <laughs> makes so much noise. <laughs> and he talks shit about one stock one day. And in a couple of months, he's going to be praising the same stock. So to me, what kind of <laughs> BS is that? I don't have the time for this kind of BS. <laughs> so if you have time for it, then you know, be my guest. But accountability and um, openness of the presenter, right? I think that's of the content creator, right? I think that's very important when you're filtering through who you want to, you know, listen to or follow. These people are online. They do not have any accountability issues. There is no repercussions to what they say. So you better be careful with who you listen to, lah. Yeah. Yeah, I think <clears throat> I think that's very important that uh, all of us actually drive the same point, right? That at the end of the day, uh, as cliche as it sounds, you need to have and do your own due diligence. You know, uh, whatever you're investing in, don't just invest because someone says it. Because that is the oldest trick in the book that has been very popularized on uh, Wall Street. La. And, you know, today it's just going into YouTube and basically it's the same thing. Um, you know, because you really do not know as what uh, Nico has mentioned, the accountability and where their agenda lies. Because sometimes when you go to YouTube and you see 200,000 subscribers, uh, sometimes it doesn't mean that subscribers are real, right? Because mm. there are many, many bots outlets out there that they, they just purchase uh, subscribers uh, and then they basically cannot, cannot execute. They have a lot of grand visions, you know, and then uh, eventually they don't execute uh, at all uh, because they have no accountability, right? That's why we see a lot of bots. Uh, on many social platforms. And I think um, what everyone here is trying to say is you need to have your own independent thinking, develop independent thinking about your own investments, right? And it doesn't have to be popular. It just has to work for you because everyone is different. It doesn't mean that you get less than the S&P 500. It means that, you know, you're performing badly, right? It just means that you are, you know, in line with your own, um, you're in line with your own, investment style, lah, you know, and sometimes, you know, doesn't mean that value investing underperforms for like 15, 20 years, doesn't mean it underperforms forever because macroeconomics change, you know, things change, right? Mm. So, and the world is very constantly changing. So it doesn't mean um, that what happened in the past will happen in the future because sometimes the tide can change, right? And I think the important thing to note, right, is uh, going forward, right, is that you understand yourself, you know, don't neglect to invest in yourself, right? And then eventually, you know, Good content is quite sub, is quite relative, right? So end of the day, whatever content you're consuming, whatever book you're reading, you know, always come to your own conclusion, you know, uh, and don't always take people's word for it, now Because end of the day, the main, no one is uh going to, you know, end of the day, uh, as what Nico mentioned, uh, no one is going to bail you out, uh, if your investment goes to shit. The one who is going to take the brunt force of that uh, is you, right? So it's very important, uh, that people, um know that and understand that where they put their money. And that's why we all always like to say, make sure when you invest, you invest safe, right? So 
Uh, I would like to thank everyone here, you know, on uh, for coming here and you know sharing your thoughts on mainstream media. I hope our listeners have uh, you know gotten some value from this today, and we thank you for joining us. And we hope to see you know both guests again. You know, so if you like to follow them, right? You know, uh, Ryan is on here. Uh, his Instagram is uh, Books and Stongs. You know, then if you like to follow Andrew and Nicole, they are on YouTube as well as uh, Spotify. You know, their tech handle is a uh, ringgit to dollar. You know, they have a very wonderful podcast talking about very individual securities as well as stocks as well as uh, economics. And of course, I'm also on Instagram at Adrian Goes Global. So thank you so much, everyone, for uh, coming here today. And we hope you enjoy this session. And we'll see you in the next podcast.